Well, good morning. My name is Sandy. I didn't introduce myself before. I am one of the pastors here. Brian playing the guitar is both my husband and my coworker. We had Aviv on the cajon. Thank you, Aviv. We've had the cajon sitting in our living room of late, and uh, it's sort of fun to have an instrument like that around. Thankfully, we have good boundaries about what time people are playing the cajon, but it's good. If you want to open on your phone a Bible app, or we actually have paper Bibles over on the right if you'd like to grab one. We're going to be in Luke 2, Luke in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. So I'm wearing a mask this morning, not because we've had COVID again in our house, praise the Lord, but I spent many moments this last Thanksgiving weekend sitting next to Callista, who I don't know what she has, but she had something. And so we've been surrounded by the bug, right? There are just a lot of people getting sick right now. And so as Thanksgiving morning happened and it sort of went minute by minute, uh, I watched her. You know how you watch your kid get sick? And so finally, midday, we waved the white flag and I had to bring her to my parents' house where she ended up hanging out alone because Thanksgiving was not what any of us planned because my dad went in the nursing home a few weeks ago. My dad's been living at home with my mom. They've been independent, and he had some falls and just got to the point where he's not able to be home. And so we were already Thanksgiving sort of like figuring out how are we going to do this with the nursing home. So I have these two cousins and their families from St. Paul. They cooked pretty much everything, and they drove out, and we had the chapel at the nursing home. It's actually quite great. Uh, Brian, being the technology genius that he is, he figured out how to have the TV on because we had to have the football games on. Don't judge us for that. Uh, but meanwhile, my firstborn is at home at my parents' house, which thankfully was only five miles away. But, you know, there was this, like, trying to keep everybody cared for it that day, right? So the gift was we were, nobody had to be alone for very long. Maybe it was too long. Calista thinks maybe it was too long. Uh, we brought food so that we could eat with my dad. You guys maybe have been in nursing homes before. Just trying to be with the residents was important. We figured it out. Uh, we had Calista come to the nursing home yesterday, and it was like COVID. She waved at my dad from the window. Uh, it was my mom's birthday, of course, too, yesterday. And so Calista had painted her an amazing painting and really wanted to see my mom open it. And so we came outside. You know how we do all this, right? It was chaotic. But really the goal for me was how do we make sure that no one's alone for an excessive period of time? Sometimes I feel like, even when the world is ridiculous, I am okay as long as I'm not alone in that chaos. You may not be like that, and maybe you need a little bit more alone time, like more than just going to the toilet by yourself, and we are going to hit on that later. But for now, I really want to talk about how what, part of the good news, part of the joy to the world, is that none of us ever really have to be alone. If you start in the book of Genesis, the very beginning, God creates all the things, creates Adam, and then says, wait, this isn't good for Adam to be what? Alone. So Eve is created. Throughout the Bible, even the most faithful, even the fiercest, like let's say Moses. Moses had this season where he was trying to pray as Israel was in battle. He needed buddies to hold up his arms. 
Mary and Martha, their brother dies. They had this gaggle of friends that showed up to grieve with them. What's happening? Oh, joy to the world anyway. There it goes. I mean, we didn't plan all of the mishaps, but it's so fitting, isn't it? Jesus, the night before he's going to die on the cross, he goes to the garden to pray, but does he go by himself? No. He asks some disciples, even Jesus didn't want to be alone, I think, in those last minutes. This is Advent. Thankfully, Mackenzie, in the first reading of Advent, we get to hear about what it is. It's a season of waiting. I actually learned that it used to be five weeks. I don't know, they didn't have Thanksgiving back then, clearly. It used to be five weeks, and actually, it used to be a time of fasting. I thought that was funny, because I feel like it's the opposite. From Thanksgiving to Christmas, what do we do? We eat. <laughs> we eat, we shop, we wrap, and then we do it all over again. But for 1,500 years, the Christian church has observed this season before Christmas of waiting. So our Advent series is Joy to the World Anyway. I've even got a shirt that has joy, and one of our people sitting in the seats today, her name is Joy. So, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Our role model that we'll look at today is Mary, the mother of Jesus, which I think is so fitting. I wrote down the earthly mother of Jesus. We assume Mary was young. Women back then who were unmarried likely were like 14 or 15. This is the same age as my eldest, and that just blows my mind thinking about how someone who's that age goes through what Mary did. She's engaged, which culturally is very different than the West, right? But back then, that would have been an appropriate age. However, I think for anybody getting ready to get married, that's, that's like a big deal. And even time-wise, they're getting things ready for their new home. Not only is she preparing to be a wife, we know this if we've been in church at any point, or even just watched Charlie Brown Christmas, that Mary has an angel that comes to her and says, um, by the way, you're going to be pregnant. Even though, yes, I know you're a virgin, but the Holy Spirit is going to make it happen. Somehow God, with his creator miracles, goes inside this young woman and knits together baby Jesus. And if that weren't enough, that baby's going to be the savior of the world. It's enough for me to think about, I haven't slept with anyone and I'm getting pregnant. That's enough to like cook my noodle, as I like to say. But the baby that you're going to give birth to is going to change history. Luke tells the story like this, chapter 2, starting in verse 6. While they were there, they were traveling, they were in Bethlehem, it came time for the baby to be born. And she, meaning Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Nobody's super pregnant here today. If you're pregnant at all, congratulations. Because as I look around the room, I don't know that anyone is. But if we have ever been around a very pregnant lady, we know one thing. She's very uncomfortable. Let's imagine I'm super pregnant right now. I actually have a memory of being pregnant one January before I was about to have Callista. I couldn't even breathe because there was like no room left. Your organs are literally like displaced for a period of time. 
and nothing feels good ever. You just want the baby out. And normally you get to that point about like six weeks before you actually get to give birth. Now, Mary was having a baby 2,000 years ago before yoga pants and before body pillows and before, what was that thing I put on my belly? It was like a lotion that just like felt good when your skin felt like it was going to rip open. Now, they did get to wear robes, so maybe that was great because nobody could really see what was happening underneath. But it also says that they were traveling. There was no room for them in a guest room. They couldn't find a hotel. There's no spa. There's no birthing room. They're somewhere where there's a manger, we find out later. I'm imagining probably because of all of the other Christmas stories out there that she's literally like, oh good, there's no room here either. And she's literally in labor while they're finding. I don't know what it was like, but that's what I kind of imagine. Somehow I imagine that she also finds some ladies because all ladies knew how to help other ladies give birth. And maybe she knew them, maybe she didn't. At that point, she probably didn't care. Just get the baby out. Joseph was likely not present It was seen sort of as inappropriate. So the man would have probably been like walking around. Joseph's got all of the anxious energy of any new dad. Just trying to deal with the anxiety. It says just simply, she gave birth. This is one of those times where perhaps if Luke had referenced a female in the writing of the text, that there would have been some additions. Perhaps of the noises. Uh the umbilical cord, the bodily fluids. Or maybe I would like to add in a a kind of a modern addition. She didn't have any drugs. Mary, props. All she's gone through. And then there's no room in the guest room. I mean, like, give him a break, God. This is your son being born. (laughs) They got nothing. Now, the strips of cloth I've always imagined as sort of like, wow, they were so poor they didn't even have like a blanket. That was actually how they swaddled them. It was how they kept the baby. You know how we swaddle so they can sleep? It was actually what they were supposed to do. The part that stands out and is repeated is the manger. It's repeated three times in this section. We often imagine silent night, twinkling stars, Smiling Mary in her blue dress. And I think more likely, there were maybe some of those bodily fluids around. Mary's a hot mess. And there's a squawking baby who needs to be fed and probably changed. This is the setting where Jesus, our Savior, Master and Lord, was born. Verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Can you just hear, is it Linus in the Charlie Brown Christmas that says these? I can hear the little lisp in my ear. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Some versions said they were sore afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in this town of David, meaning Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you, shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So while Mary is recovering from delivering her firstborn, the shepherds are just doing their job. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're going about their business. And boom, big lights, angels crying out. Of course they're afraid. There's no light pollution these days. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. How bright is the glory of the Lord? I'm imagining it was pretty bright. They were terrified. In Greek, it's actually megasphobia. It's where we get phobias, what we're afraid of. Great terror. Causing people to take flight. They're seized with alarm, and like I said, the sore afraid. I love that, actually. They were so afraid. It sounds like it, they were so afraid it hurt. But the angels say, don't be afraid. The opposite. Actually, you get to have joy because of what has just happened. Why? What's going to bring you joy? You won the lottery. No. The Vikings are actually going to the Super Bowl. No. A savior has been born. Savior means deliverer or preserver. It's literally a word that the ancients gave to someone, a leader, who had brought great benefits to their country. The Greeks would call their gods this same word. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one who is blessed by God to be the supreme authority, the Lord, the one who has the power to decide and what is said will come to pass. Whoever this person is, is a super big deal. Because the angels didn't just use one of those terms, they used three. The shepherds are receiving this message, sitting in the dark, watching their flocks at night. The glory of God in the highest, this great company of heavenly hosts says, and on earth peace, well, and on earth, Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Incidentally, when Mary gets the first message from the angel, the angel says, you've been blessed. You're highly favored. It's this same terminology. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, huh, why don't we go to Bethlehem and see what, this, what happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, they said, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So the shepherds go from being sore afraid, wanting to run away, to running into what actually just freaked them out. Do you know what I think helped? <clears throat> there were more than one of them. They were not alone receiving this message. They went from megaphobia to hurrying off. It also strikes me that the angel actually doesn't even ever say to the shepherds, go and find him. You need to go and see it simply says, this has happened, and this will be the sign of the, of the right baby. It also struck me that if I'm a shepherd, and I'm experiencing all of this glory and amazing wonder, and also fear, and we're talking about this amazing Lord and Master, and like a Greek God, and then you hear the way you're going to know that it's the right baby, it's going to be in a feeding trough. I'm surprised it doesn't say, and they were sore confused. So 
Many of you have maybe had experiences on the farm because we're in Mankato. And I don't know what animals are eating out of these days, but back then, I'm imagining, like we see often, those kind of wooden, you know, and the hay rests, right? Could have been that. Somehow in my mind, help me Lord, I just see like a silver dog bowl. Babies could fit in that. Babies have been put in drawers. But literally we're talking about what animals eat out of. The savior of the word, the Greek God, the one that statues are made out of in Greek cities, the ones people sacrifice to and look for help is put in a feeding trough. Somehow, even yet with that being repeated to the shepherds and to us, the shepherds go and try to figure out what's going on. Verse 17. When they, meaning the shepherds, had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, I'm thinking about this. What part are they amazed at? Are they amazed that there's a new baby being born? And it might be the Messiah, the one that we're all waiting for? Are they amazed because the master of the world was born in their city? Bethlehem, David's city. David, their king of kings in history. The shepherds tell the story of going to this place. We don't know exactly what it was. If it was a cave, it was, if it was the bottom part of someone's home, and that's where they kept the animals. But there were no angels when the shepherds got there. There was no glory in the sky. There were no servants to wash their feet. There was no midwife probably helping out with Mary. There was no shining star atop the building at this point. What part made them amazed? What brought the shepherds there? I read something this last week that said, it's because it was Jesus. And that in and of itself was glorious. Just as they had been told. They found what the Lord had told them they were going to find. The glory shone around them. Now, verse 19 says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds, meanwhile, returned, likely to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which, is just, which were just as they had been told. I kind of see a contrast here. We got the shepherds. I can imagine, like, woohoo! Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened! Da -da 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 -da. You know, ch -ch 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 -ch. they're talking. And then there's Mary, pondering all which had just happened. I will say one of the best things about having babies was that they slowed Brian and me down. We were newly married. We worked with college students. I don't even know what our hours were. It doesn't matter. We loved what we were doing. And then I got pregnant, and I just couldn't keep up. And then we had a baby, and the baby didn't always sleep. I had to sit down and feed the baby, and my babies liked to eat. <clears throat> I rocked 
Babies in the Middle of the Night, I sung so I didn't lose my mind. I actually read Les Mis, which is a really thick novel. And then when we adopted Tobiah, I didn't sit and rock because he was three and a half, but that kid needed a nap every day, and I realized, man, I need a nap too. And I took one every day when he did. I imagine Mary, with all that had happened, we read in other texts that she visited a cousin who also was having a miraculous pregnancy. She had been trying to take in what's happening, and she's watching herself, feeling Jesus inside of her. Then she gives birth. We have no idea what her birth story was like. Maybe it was easy. Maybe it was horrible. Maybe she was torn three sides from yesterday. We don't know. But she takes a minute. And she tries to ponder. And may I just say, this may be the only thing you hear me say today. Maybe you need some of those moments this Christmas season. And I'm here to say, take them. If you need the permission, your pastor's giving it to you. My dad and I were watching TV at one point this past weekend. And I don't remember what came up. Some horrible news story or we were talking about something, and my dad said, sort of weepily, I don't know how God handles that pain. And I said, well, that's such great news, because we know that God can handle it. And my dad said, no man could handle all of that. Mary, all that she went through, how did she handle it? The shepherds, how did they process what was happening? Mary was not alone in what she did. Obviously, it was the Lord. She literally had Jesus alive in her body. That I could sit and ponder for a while. She had Jesus alive in her body for a season. The shepherds had one another. We are not meant to be alone, no matter what we face. From Genesis to Revelation, we can see community. Adam and Eve and God in the garden... Revelation talks about in the end, we are all in one giant city with Jesus being the light. We are never alone when it comes to the Lord. The Lord created us and didn't just say like, pushed out of the nest and said, good luck. God made a way so that we can have a relationship with God through Jesus. And then not only, well, we don't have Jesus growing inside of us in terms of pregnancy, but we can have the Holy Spirit alive in us forever. And all of the heaviness of the world, whether it's I'm young and unmarried and I just had a baby, or I'm a shepherd just doing my job and God just interrupted it, and now the course of my life is different. We were not meant to face it alone. I remember another time when I was pregnant and I was at Wheaton College taking some grad school classes and I got lost. And it was at night. And this was before cell phones had the map really easily and you could just like figure out where you were. So I called Brian and I said, these are the street signs that I can see. I need to have you help me get back to where I'm staying. And I don't know how long it took and I was weeping and crying. I eventually made it back. But I was just so grateful that I wasn't alone, lost on the streets of Chicago, <laughs> pregnant, trying to find my way home. Maybe you aren't pregnant this Advent, like I said. Maybe you wish you were pregnant. 
this Advent and you aren't. We want to have us have a mantra this Christmas. Joy to the world anyway. Maybe you aren't feeling the chaos and joy is like easy this morning. Joy to the world anyway. Maybe your kids are super pouty about the plans that are coming. Joy to the world anyway. Maybe you're scared to death about something and you need help. Joy to the world anyway. Maybe you're the quiet and pondering in your heart type. Joy to the world anyway. Maybe you're more like the shepherds and you like want to get rowdy about it. Joy to the world anyway. But maybe you're in a family where the shepherds and the pondering the hearts don't really quite know how to do Christmas together. Joy to the world anyway. Joy to the world anyway because it is a fact that a young unwed mother had a baby and that baby was Jesus. And people who didn't have a lot of standing in culture, but were all right, the shepherds, got to witness it firsthand. And there was a man named Joseph who somehow, through the Holy Spirit and the speaking of angels, obeyed God and did not divorce her, but instead stuck with this woman who had a baby that was not his own flesh and blood and yet called him his son. Joy to the world, because the shepherds somehow got over their fear and went to see for themselves, and their lives were changed. It said that the shepherds went on their way, praising God because it was just as they had been told. I want to give you a challenge this week. I have now told you, tried to point at what we can always have joy about. And I want to uh, challenge you that as you find yourself complaining about the weather or the prices or, I don't know, that your dad's in a nursing home <laughs> or so-and-so can't make it home this year or somebody's sick, that when you are processing those things, which is totally fine to do, and it's not always whining and complaining. Sometimes it's literally just like saying things as they are. That's okay. But can you also get to the point of saying, joy to the world anyway? Or, gosh, this nursing home actually smells fantastic. It did. I kind of was expecting like the boiled cabbage or bathroom smells. It smells amazing there. It was such a blessing. My dad, uh, whenever we ask him about the food, he loves the food. He eats like he's never eaten before. And then he'll say, they haven't served me any lime jello yet. He doesn't like lime jello. The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good, no good news. It's probably noisy too. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Let me pray for us. Oh, Jesus, you know all the things going on with everybody. You know what's going on in my heart. And we are so grateful that you are king and master, the anointed one, the Christ. That you take us as we are. That you love us. God, would we remember that we are not alone, no matter how chaotic this world is. And that because we are not alone, we can always have a reason to say, Joy to the world anyway. Amen.